It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. I think the last time we talked with Bob Grove, uh, he and uh, Mark Wade were actually headed over to the Travel Expo last week. How'd that go, Bob? It was busy. It was one of the best expos. I've been attending this expo since it started, and this probably was one of the very best I've, uh, one of the best crowds I've seen. Well, and you told me there were fans of the show that were coming by and, and mentioned that they had heard you, heard us talking about it anyway. Oh, yeah. I can't forget. I got to say hi, Susan. Not my wife, but another Susan. And hi, Dale. They came by the booth. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we great. had quite a few, actually, Tim. You, you're, uh, you're a popular guy. A lot of people listen in. Well, it's nice to know it's not just two of us here. <laughs> Every Saturday, or two or three of us anyway. Uh, And Bob, of course, Bob Grove, uh, will be joined by Mark Wade next half hour. We're going to be talking more as we do a little road trip, and then we'll save uh, the topic uh, for that segment uh, for a little while here. Let's talk about um, somebody you bumped into last week. I asked you if uh, the folks from Three Bear Lodge or West Yellowstone were going to be down, and I'll be darned. Alma Clark actually was there. Uh, You bumped into Alma, right? Yeah, he was just down a few booths from me, and he came over and said hi and uh, got to chat with him. About the only time I ever see him or any of the guys from Three Bear Lodge and see Yellowstone anymore is at the expo. we got to change that, Tim. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been up there. Alma's on the line with us. So is Travis Watt and Clyde Seeley. They've got uh, some kind of party going on in Travis's office up there. Alma, you had uh, you enlisted the help of your 11-year-old son for that event last week? Yes, we did. Yep, every every year I try to bring down uh, one of my children. It it, uh, it fell on him this year, and he had a great time. Well, I'm glad you finally made it home. We won't share the entire adventure, but it sounded like you had more than your share uh, just to get back to Yellowstone with the roads and the crazy temperatures we had there for a while. Oh, yeah. 30 hours usually is not the travel time you need to get from uh, the Salt Lake area up to West Yellowstone. Usually that's about four and a half to five hours, so... Uh, you know, we took the leisurely route, uh, which was was blocked off by mm. low visibility and high winds. Yeah, it sounds like things have warmed up a little bit. But let me tell you, and maybe you've heard this story, Bob, but the coldest day I've ever had in the outdoors was getting on a snowmobile in the parking lot at Three Bear Lodge one morning when it was 33 or 32 below zero with a member of the Seeley family who uh, decided to take us out that day. We we ended up having a great day, but it was cold. My, my goodness. So when they tell you that it's warmed up to above zero and they're happy about it, that'll put it into perspective, I think. Uh, we were talk- We were out with Mike Seeley, by the way. Clyde uh, is actually up there in Yellowstone right now. Clyde, it's been a while. Good to hear from you. Well, it's been quite a while. We... Um... Look forward to when you come again well, sometime. Yeah, we'll look forward to doing that. But, Travis, it sounds like you guys are plenty busy for the winter season here. Give us an idea of the kind of season you've had so far. Have you got a lot of snow? 
We have. We were really blessed this year to have fantastic snow, even before we opened the season. A lot of times it's a little lean to start, but that hasn't been the case this year. So it's been wonderful, and uh, there's still a lot of interest to come up and go snowmobiling or take a snow coach into Yellowstone. And so we've been very fortunate. It's been a very busy uh, season for the community, and it's been really good for us. Some of my greatest memories, Bob, are uh, being up in Yellowstone, West Yellowstone, and being able to ride your snowmobile down the road, uh, but not being able to see the front door of any of the businesses because the snow was stacked pretty high. So it's been a while, I think, since it's been that big. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why they call West Yellowstone the snowmobile capital of the world, because you can just drive your snowmobiles all over in town and it makes it real convenient. You're just right at the west gate to the park. What is it, 30 miles to Old Faithful from there? Uh, great ride. I actually prefer going in by snow coach now and taking the snowmobiles outside the park, going into Two Top Mountain and and uh, out into that region and and uh, and then rolling them. Yeah, Clyde Seeley. <laughs> for those who don't rolling them, but I'm bummed. <laughs> That's not part of the plan, Bob. Although you've got some experience at that. Um, Clyde Seeley is credited with actually uh, figuring it out that you could ride snowmobiles into the park and getting this whole thing started so many years ago, Clyde. It really was just to help the town survive. Well, when we started this whole concept and and doing it in 1971, um, there were a few snowmobiles around, but nobody really knew about Yellowstone in the wintertime. And so we began promoting snowmobiling in Yellowstone. Uh, that was 71. Yeah. And it turned the, the economy of the town around so that eventually West Yellowstone became a two-season town. And as Bob says, became known as the snowmobile capital of the world. So we have a lot of people from all over the world that come and see Yellowstone in the winter. Hard to believe that that was experience will never nobody will ever have other than here. That was fifty years ago. Uh, I asked you, Travis, before we jumped in to record here, what kind of a season you've had and whether you know it makes sense to tell people to come up for the winter. But it sounds like you're going to be pretty busy till winter's end here. Yeah, and we we have a few holes. So if someone wanted to call and see if there's an opening, we'd sure love to have them if we can squeeze them in. If they have their own snowmobiles, there's obviously great trails and lots of rooms uh, to come up. It's a great year to be up here for sure. And uh, we'll be promoting for next winter, but not until April. We're just so busy taking care of stuff now. So if anyone's thinking of next year, uh, start looking at their calendars and give us a call in April. We'd love to talk to them. Is there still room to get people on snow coaches though? Not very many. (laughs) There's a seat open in March. It really has uh, just been fantastic from a reservation point of view, uh, better than we've ever seen. We've had some good years. This has probably come out on top. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, And, Bob, I know that makes you feel good, too, because you've been in the business of trying to help to get the word out about how fun it is to go up there this time of year. You know, I I started working with Clyde back in 1993 uh, when I first got involved in helping promote West Yellowstone. It's, uh, you know, it's been quite a delightful experience Clyde is such a great guy and I've enjoyed every moment of working with these guys up there and I'm looking at your cyellowstone.com website and I really like that picture is that you Alma were you responsible for that photo on the on the website the first thing that comes up when you oh you know, we, we had a uh, one of the, one of the greatest photographers that that I've come to know uh, took that picture of of his lovely wife 
uh, standing in front of an even uh, also a gorgeous vehicle there. Uh, we have our Bombardier snow coach with, uh, with Bob's wife standing right in front of it. So uh, a, great, a great model, a is wonderful it, woman. Is and, that uh, Susan? Sure Bob agree. That's Susan all bundled up there in uh, front of the yeah, Bombardier. The, the, uh, the type actually is covering it up, so I didn't really notice that is Susan. How about that? <laughs> Uh, Alma, there's other things to do in town this time of year, too, uh, not just inside the park, but outside the park. No, for sure. I, uh, as already was mentioned, uh, we have many people from out of town that bring their own sleds or rent sleds from us to go up to Two Top Mountain, around Island Park, hundreds of miles of groomed trails. We have other uh, businesses in town that provide uh, cross-country ski. We have a great a world-class cross-country ski trail and rendezvous trail uh, just down the road at Free Heel and Wheel. You can rent skis, rent snowshoes, um, really enjoy that. Um, as part of our package, we actually have people go to the IMAX theater as well, either to enjoy a Yellowstone documentary or catch the latest Hollywood blockbuster at night. Yeah. Clyde. Clyde, this is home for you, always has been, uh, and you have a, a beautiful place out there by Hebgen Lake. But for you, this time of year, I think, has become special. I, it may have been dreaded years ago, 50 years ago, by those that are trying to stay in business. But now, this time of year, I'm going to guess you really love it. Oh, it's never been dreaded by me. <laughs> uh, we we lived here, and we had, you know, our little old Johnson ski horse snowmobile and we would take the kids and we'd just go have a blast on the snowmobile and then going into Yellowstone you know you can't help but just go in there with awe yeah and uh, so I I've always wanted to share that experience with others and so it's been a great time to do that we look forward to winter uh, well so look forward to spring by the time it's over yeah but uh, anyway great place to be if you're going to go to three bear lodge i'm going to guess travis three bear restaurant still there serving up great food absolutely yep and uh, if you stay in the room with us we help with breakfast as well as part of the package so pretty good deal love to have you just stop on by and get a good breakfast before you head out on the trail as well bob mentioned cyellowstone.com is there a three bear site too or do, do you just link it off of off of that site there is. You can go either way, but 3bearlodge.com and 3 is spelled out. Uh, we'll take you right to our site, and you can check availability uh, right from the site, as well as other things to do, and, and both those sites link back and forth to each other. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you. It's so great to catch up with you all uh, there in West Yellowstone. Again, it's cyellowstone.com. We'll take a break and come back. Navi will rejoin me, and we've got some fish bites to talk about, so stay with us. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Papa was a fisherman. He loved his cars and his steel guitars. Papa was a fisherman. Ooh! Ooh! Ooh. Ooh. 
I think we should take a poll on our Facebook. Uh, I'm on a mission to try and find some new staging music for Fish Bites. You've been screaming for it for a while. I just wonder how our listeners actually feel about it. Do you want us to change the music, or have you become kind of attached to uh, well, you know, the rotation of songs? That scruffy old dog in the backyard you kind of take to. But <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a new puppy with sleek lines would be nice. Well, I'll be looking for a new puppy with sleek lines. Before you jump in with what you wanted to talk about, let me just get these new records out there. Uh, Wade Nielsen caught and released a record 30-inch tiger trout at Current Creek Reservoir. That was on December 26th, day after Christmas. And uh, the picture of that thing and the smiles from the group, the two kids are in the background and it's uh, Wade and his buddy. Massive tiger trout. Uh, Fotu Katoa broke the tiger trout record just four days later with a 31-and-a-half-inch tiger caught and released at Joe's Valley Reservoir. That one happened on December 30th. And then they've certified one that dates back to June 5th of 21 when William Wright caught and released a record 27-inch Colorado River cutthroat at uh, Solitaire Lake. That was in June of uh, 2021. What do you make of the Tigers coming out so big this time of year? Well, um, Tim, that record is not a hard record to break because those fish are brand new. I mean, we make those fish. Those are Frankenstein fish. And we really, Utah's the only place that does this. Hmm. So those records are local, and, of course, every year is going to be another record because they've been in the water almost 10 years, and you got to figure out how old these fish are. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. All right, what species are you going to talk about this week? I'm going to talk about the rainbow, Oncorhynchus micus. Okay, so um, I I got some good feedback from last week. Some of my students listened on... And shout out to them if they're listening again. They talked about we talked about the brown trout, and today we're going to contrast the rainbow trout. And by the way, don't think I have preference. I don't. Um, Micus is native to North America, so when you say Oncorhynchus, that means Pacific drainage. So uh, um, even our salmon, like a, I don't know, a, a sockeye, Oncorhynchus nurka which is Pacific drainage, okay? So we have transported these fish around the world. We gave them to New Zealand. All those fish that came from, uh, well, that are in New Zealand, they got from the Rio Americanos, which is the American River, which no longer supports trout. So we've lost that strain in the United States, but it's doing very well in New Zealand. In fact, he averages six pounds, and they were averaging 10 for, well, about 50 years. They've gone down to about an average of six but anyway, they have a, a life expectancy. All rainbows have the same life expectancy about five years, which is problematic when you're competing against the brown because the brown goes 9 to 11. So part of the reason he's hardier is because he lives longer. Now, these fish are spring spawners, and not New Zealand. <laughs> uh, they, they kept the same trend here, so down there it's fall. But to us it's spring, and when the waters are swollen, they get up into the run. And they lay their eggs, and then they go back to bigger waters. Not universally, but for the most part, rainbows do that. And um, their favorite food is roe. And everybody asks me, roe, that's fish eggs. Well, if you talk to um, local bait fishermen, they'll tell you power bait. And the reason why power bait works is because it's roe. It imitates roe. And they go, sometimes green will work, sometimes yellow will work, sometimes orange will work. That's because of what's spawning, okay? Now, rainbows have orange eggs. Browns have orange eggs, right? Um, the, 
Coda Green, this is really interesting. Chartreuse is right in the middle of the light spectrum. So all fish are attracted to chartreuse because it's the most visible color no matter what depth you're at. And and to the fish, it somehow looks, I don't know, like eggs. Hmm. So chartreuse, in fact, my, my fly fisherman this weekend, today as we speak, I'll have some chartreuse eggs in just because, uh, you know, fish like them. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, if, so it, let, let me just uh, ask rainbow, you. Let me ask you real quick. So, if you're, if you're in fact imitating roe, would you put a smaller ball of uh, power bait on there than you otherwise might? No, no, not necessarily because um, they tend to glob, right? They have globules like a a cluster of six eggs. Is okay. very common to find in the water. All right, so maybe it looks more appetizing. Correct, and and it it gives off. There's a milky residue that, that people like with power bake. And what that is, it imitates fertilized eggs, and, and they go with scent. Huh. So, right. yeah, that's why power bait works so well for rainbows. And they've always liked it. And, by the way, there are three strains. There's the Kamloop strain from the Kamloop River, which descends out of British Columbia into the Columbia. And then we have the Arley strain, which is the Arley River, which is north of Missoula, south of Polson, Montana. And the other is the Red Eagle Strain. And the Red Eagle Strain is on the east slope of Glacier National Park. And from those three strains are all of our fish in the United States, all of our rainbows. Particularly in Utah, we have the Arley, and there's a, some Kamloops do exist. Um, Manaway has Kamloops. But basically, most of the rainbows that people know in Utah are Arley Strain. Interesting. And they were introduced in the 30s, and they became our state fish, which makes zero sense. That got changed in 85 to the cutthroat. So yeah. the cutthroat, the Bonneville cut is our official state fish as of 1985. Ah, this, it, this takes me back to sitting in your class. We were talking about your class <laughs> this week. It takes me back to sitting uh, where I was just memorized by some of these stories and how it all ties together and why you might have more success fishing for them this time of year than that time of year and what they're looking for. It's all great stuff, Navi. Thank you. We've got an ABC News update at the top of the hour, and on the other side, we'll talk about this uh, great wildlife viewing opportunity coming up with the Snow Goose Festival down by Delta. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.